Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hit the button. Are we live? We're live. And we're off. And here we are live. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. I, sa- I think I said that the exact last episode. I think I you've done that, that joke like three times now. I know. Poor Patrick Deveni. Patrick. Uh, anyways, we're here with Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Father Sean. And this is Father Mike. Great to be with you, Father Mike. Catching you at Lord's. When I come over here, um, the song plays in my head. You know, the, the Lord's song. Immaculate Mary, your praises we sing. Okay, now the, here's a question for the Catholic nerds out there. Uh-huh. Does she reign now in heaven or splendor? She reigns down in splendor. Oh, really? She reigns down in splendor with Jesus our King. She reigns now. She reigns down. Not reigns down. <laughs> Is it now? <laughs> That's like, you know, in the... Here's the thing. I don't... She I just make up my own lyrics, rain typically. Down. She rain, rain down. She reigns now in splendor. Um that's like when people make their act of contrition. I don't mean to be insulting to people, but um, when there's something, there's one of the versions that says, I am heartily sorry for my sins, for having offended you. As opposed to what? And they'll say, I'm heartily sorry. For heartily <laughs> sorry. No, they say heartfully or heartily. Hardly. People say that? Come on. Oh, I heard it. I heard yeah. it today in the confessional. Interesting. I know I'm not supposed to say stuff about. So Father Mike comes and visits us, and he thinks he's like off the clock or something because he's wearing a blue tank top. Yeah. I was over in the rectory looking him walk into the office, and we're like, Father Brian and I are like, who's that random guy with a blue tank top on walking into our office in the back door, not even the front door, without ringing? We're like, do we need to run over there? We're just like, no, there's people in the office. Mary's over there. They'll figure it out. Then turns out it was Father Mike. I know. Well, I don't know. Like, I was just doing yard work. You know me in yard work. I'm not going to wear my blocks when I do my yard work. You do like to garden more than yard work, though. I prefer to garden, yeah, but I have to yard work. Rosedale I don't, Community I don't know garden. what to do, man. I need to talk to Greg Rogers because I've got uh, weeds, clover, crabgrass. My my yard is you kind spray? of a mess right now. Did you spray the 2D40? I put weed and feed. But, I mean... It's right. It says that it'll work, but I don't even do it right. You're supposed to wet the grass hmm. and then put on the weed and feed fertilizer so that it sticks to big broad leaves. Well, maybe that's the problem is you're not doing it right. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, first I just confessed it. I don't know. <laughs> the first thing Dude, I don't do have time to do it. I don't have time to do it all the time. <laughs> that's fair. But, and I only real I, I only remembered the instruction after I already did it. So, well, you're looking good, Father Mike. Hey, Father thanks. Mike. Father Mike has been out in the sun laboring. Uh, nothing new is under the sun, as as we just heard in oh, the readings. Vanity of vanities. That's right. Hevel Hevelim. Yes, I was going to say it. I preached about that. But anyways, Father Mike is also looking good because on, on just a few days from the day that we're recording this, he'll be out biking, running, and swimming. And swimming. The half, half Ironman. Yes, Boulder. Which I can barely even do like a third Ironman, so. Whatever. This guy, uh, Father Father Sean Khan, I got a new nickname for you, by the way, Father oh. Shaka Conroy. Do you know Shaka Conroy? <laughs> Who's Shaka Conroy? You know Shaka Khan? Shaka Khan? You no, you're too young, maybe. Here's uh, Shaka Khan. Yeah, R and B, R and famous R and B artist Shaka Khan. I don't know her. 
Are you sure it's Shaka and not like Chaka? Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan in 2012. Shaka Conroy. There, oh my God. there <laughs> she is. Okay, wait. Okay, so uh, Shaka Conroy here, my priest in front of me, um, he could bike 300 miles on, a, on a, any given Maybe day. Maybe in like three weeks. Any over given the course day. of three weeks. So I'm trying to learn to swim, and it, apparently you have to plank. You know, like mm-hmm. you have to keep your your body totally stretched out and so you can float all on top of the water, mm-hmm. right? But I have bad form and I like live. I need to get one of those standing desks, you know, because I those are great. My legs sink into the water, uh-huh. and then they act like they pull on the water, so it slows me down totally. The drag, yeah, the drag is terrible, and even if I, you know, even if I wear a wetsuit like I'm going to. And minimize some of the, well, drag. Then having my feet like floating like that is terrible. A foot and a half under the water. So I'm really working on that. And I don't know. I get tired and then my my legs fall. For the, so it's, it's, like, it's like when you're driving, when you drive and you say something is really weird. And then you find out that the parking brake was on uh-huh. just a little bit or something. And then it smells. Yeah. Well, the smell is inevitable for me. <laughs> yeah, I, anyway, I'm trying not to get... I, I'm actually really excited that my sister just had a baby. I don't really care about oh, that's right. this Iron Man thing. Maggie? Maggie had a baby. That's my, great. My baby sister. Congratulations. Giorgio. Yes, Giorgio. Thomas Giorgio. In honor of blessed Pierre Giorgio Frasati. Frasati. You think he'll be made a saint anytime soon? Yeah, sure. I mean, the Italians, they're, they're insiders. So they have the vo- they have the ear of the you know higher ups. Yeah, they love their young saints, love 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 their young saints. And then he's just I think he's squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. I think he really does have an, an admirable life that was fairly simple, and he's just a great dude. He's a great. I dude. think he's got to do the miracles, right? That's the you got to wait on that. That's true. Can't force that. But I think well, there's one under investigation right now. Do you from get here to, in the U.S. actually? Do you get to, um, I think Johnny's been working on one, hasn't he? John. Nepple. Yeah, he has. So that's the one in the U.S. This guy was See? like, this guy was in a coma. And then there's a video about this on YouTube. But this guy was in a coma. He fell off his roof. He landed on his head. Was in a coma. The doctors were like, he's never going to wake up. Uh, they bring in this huge picture of Frasati, the famous one where he's climbing uh, the peak mm-hmm. um, or the, the scaling that wall of the mountain. He, they bring it in and the guy just like sits up immediately and he goes, where'd you get that picture from? And who is that? Yeah, out of his coma. Out of his coma. Mm-hmm. And stares at this photo. And it turns out he knew that guy from like he was like met him while he was in, in coma. In his dreams, yeah. Yeah, in the coma. Not like, because I think it's real. So it's not just like in his dreams, but there was a certain reality to it. And, and he didn't know the he didn't saint know who, beforehand. Yeah, he didn't know who Pierre yeah, Giorgio was. I mean, was. it really is remarkable. Yeah. I don't, it's hard to doubt. It's a pretty cool. It's a super uh, cool story. And then the guy recovered, of course. He did, yeah, and he goes around sharing the story now. Yeah. So, so hopefully, he, hopefully this miracle. Dude, that's be legit. That would, yeah, that's definitely a miracle. Do you get to choose the miracle you, you're gonna do? Like, do you write it down <laughs> as the saint, or what do you? Yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. Like, are like you planning now? Heaven? Have you ever thought about that? Like, oh, are you asking me? Or when I'm when I'm in heaven, <laughs> I want to do this miracle or this miracle. I, no, you know? I, I have not planned that out. I just hope to make you it know, to heaven. Cure the blind, uh, the paralytic, you know, save someone from <laughs> drowning or something. I don't know. 
You just want to make it to heaven. Okay. You I do want to You haven't planned that far. <laughs> That's really good. Well, better question is, have you You're planned this guy. far? Have you planned this far? What do you want to do? Yeah, no, I haven't thought about it, but all of those above. Okay. Cop-out answer. Uh, so you're doing this marathon. Well, Ironman, I should say. Do you think you'll ever get old enough to, to not be able to do these anymore? Well, I'm trying to get it in. I'm almost 40. And then what? I all downhill. And then a full marathon? Dude, or I... A full Ironman? Sorry. I don't know. I did think about that. Here's the, here's the difficulty with this thing is I think physically anybody could do it. If they just, you have to train a lot, yeah. you know, and you have to work your way up and everything. And then it takes so much time. It's like all my free time is spent training, training. at this point, you know, like it was, it's been ramping up. Yeah, but you at this can't point, drink beer. You can't have ice cream. I know. I haven't been good at those things though. <laughs> really, I haven't been eating healthy and it bothers me because I thought this was an excuse for me to get really healthy and I'm still eating poorly. And the more, the, the more I work out, the more excuses I have yeah. to eat junk food. And I'm not even a junk food. I don't know, John. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. Everybody gets old, and I can feel it. There's a the little slow and inevitable soreness slide. in my shoulder and soreness in my ankle. Yeah, but right. I I like doing um, exercise outside, so I hope I can last for a while. Yeah, I know some old good. guys, eighty year olds who still jog and stuff. Yeah, you see them bikers, Monsignor Bernie. Yeah, you can bike. Um, well, well. Anyway, so. Here's what I want to talk about. It's my topic today, right? That's your topic, right. my man. Looking forward to it. So here's, here's what I've been thinking about. And this is because my sister-in-law asked me this question, right? This is called Catholic Stuff You Should Know. So I think this is a topic that we should know. Oh, you haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> so I can't comment. Well, the segue is, do you ever phase out of doing something in the sense of like, okay, you're training to do, you're, you're, you're about to do an Ironman you're going to phase out of that. There's going to come a time where you're no longer capable of doing an Ironman. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, does the Pope ever phase out of living the office or fulfilling his office of, of Pope, right? Pope Benedict resigned from the office, uh-huh. which created this precedent that I think has been really unfortunate. First Pope to retire or resign uh, over 500 years. And now the question that keeps coming up is, should Pope Francis resign? Is he incapable of living the office? Or how do you tell, what's the measure to tell if a Pope is no longer capable of living his office? Um, So think of like Mm -hmm. Pope Francis recently has, you know, had some knee problems and he canceled some trips to different countries. He's in Canada or recently was in Canada. And when he was there, he said, well, first of all, his itinerary was very shortened because um, he just can't do long days anymore. But then this question becomes, can he still fulfill the office of papacy if he's not traveling, if he's not going to these different mm-hmm. places? John Paul II, at the end of his life, who's a saint, I should say, right? St. John Paul II, mm-hmm. at the very end of his life, he was um, not able to do much, having Parkinson's and, and being kind of confined to a chair, uh, the wheelchair, and... Um, should he have resigned? So, so I think that's the question. And, yeah. and, and so just to one, pitch yeah. that, do you have any thoughts on it? Well, to say this, I honestly don't know. So I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts and maybe to bounce some ideas off you. But what are your initial kind of responses? Yeah, um, that's, 
It is. It's a good question, and it's it's a fresh one because of this, you know, recent resignation, retirement, whatever. It's yeah. So we're kind of figuring this out now. It's like, well, what is this? What could this look like? Mm-hmm. Um, the the popes have not retired. It hasn't been seen. I think part of the complication is it, is it a job or is it a a role in a society, right? You know, like as this great patriarchal figure and, um, your grandfather doesn't stop being your grandfather at some point. Right. Um, on the other hand, there is a lot of work to it Mm -hmm. and the bishops retire and they're replaced with other guys who can do the work, you know, which quick note about that. If I can interrupt you, priests typically retire at, 70 bishops retire at 75 cardinals retire at 80 and oh, popes, really? popes never retire and i just find that really interesting where did you hear where, where did you get that stuff that's interesting i never heard the 80 cardinal thing well so um not that they retire when cardinals become 80 they have to they can no longer vote in the conclave. oh that's right okay so they don't they don't retire per se they can still um do their task at hand yeah but i just find that interesting the higher up you go that means you're never going to retire. Interesting, yeah. But keep going with what you're okay, saying. Okay, so um, let's see. Yeah, Pope Benedict re- retires. That's its own subject of like, well, w- why and what did it involve? I was in Rome and pretty regularly around the Pope at that time. Mm-hmm. And I remember him just looking worn out and worn out and worse and worse. And it is likely that he was simply overwhelmed with the kind of work that he should never have mm. been placed in, been asked to do. He's a professor. Right. And he was always just a theologian, a book writer, a thinker, and an extraordinary thinker. He was the head of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, so he had managed people and he knows something of administration. But he's mostly a, a you know, the kind of work that you can do alone and anywhere in the world and doesn't involve a lot of other people and the stresses of staffing and the dramas of the politics and such. So, um, and he was chosen because he was, he's probably the most brilliant mind. I think he still is the most brilliant theologian in the world. And um, John Paul had set a precedent of, you know, really inspiring people with the truth. And, um, and there was a, a sense that we need to understand, we're still unpacking the, um, the Second Vatican Council, the documents, the theology, the implications, mm-hmm. and the application. So I think that was the idea of having um, Ratzinger become Pope. Mm-hmm. And then the stresses of the job were just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And there's other speculation, you know, there was scandal stuff going on. Um, he, it was in the midst of trying to figure out how to address scandals around the world. Um, the, the Vatican City had its own mess. The banking system was all, you know, corrupt. And um, there, even the, a lot of the staffing in the Vatican um, for these big offices was, um, yeah, it's just messy. It is messy. And so I think he had, a, there was a lot of stuff that he, was just not his forte. Right. But I, I don't think the question needs to be why, why did 
why did Pope Benedict yeah. resign? I don't think that's the right question. I well, think the I question think, is. I, I say that because I know that he's serious about the papacy and he mm-hmm. knows tradition. And I don't think he did it um, casually. I also don't think he was forced out because of some nefarious plot or his own right. shame or something. Um, and there can be all kinds of theories. But I say that because I don't, I, I wonder if you were to ask him, and he, he's just retired um, so that he's not stepping on the toes of the, you know, the guy who's the operating pope, right? right? So he's retired into the quiet of the monastery or whatever. Uh, and I wonder if you asked him, like, do you think this is a good thing for other popes? Would he say, well, it was the right thing for me. And um, I'm sure he prayed about it and he, you know, thought about it hard. I think John Paul, I'd wonder what he would say too. Mm-hmm. John Paul was happy to die, you know, suffer, get old and die as Pope. And in one part, he, you know, he's the one who wrote Evangelium Vitae, like the gospel of life. And he was constantly celebrating life, even in its suffering, mm-hmm. you know. So I think there was something very intentional about, I want you to see that sanctity, the Christian life, is not just for people who are strong or people who are, you know, somewhat like more physically capable or mentally capable or whatever. And so, and, and that every, mo- every part of life is important for life. And like the growing old and dying piece is an important piece, yeah. beautiful thing, uh, profound. And so he wants to witness that. And I think he saw the papacy as like a, a person, you know, um, and a role of, of guidance, but guidance can even be showing people how to age with grace and how to die with grace. And Which is, I think, exactly what John Paul II taught us right? by staying in office and, and Pope Benedict. But there wasn't even, you know, that, that would be the question for Pope John Paul. If the precedent had been set, would you have done something differently? Great question. But yep. for 500 years, it was just like, no, that's not what we do. Right. So, so then, yeah, then the question becomes, did Pope Benedict set a new precedent that should be followed? Yeah. And, and, and then on the I Francis think, stuff, I have to tell you, I don't know enough about his health. I know he had a one lung when he was elected, and he's mm-hmm. kind of shuffled around and been pretty old for a while. Correct, yeah. Um, I think there's a, there is a kind of a question of, like, if a guy goes senile... Is he really acting as the Pope? Mm-hmm. You know, can he make decisions as the Pope? Um, or is he just wearing a hat? They kind of dress him up and cart him around on that Pope mobile. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, interested. I but I do think for me, the, the role is important. And what John Paul did was really admirable. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that as long as we can, the Popes could do that. Yeah. Just die in their role. You know? yeah. yeah, I love it. I think... I think I don't know if there's a clear answer to this question, but I think to bring in the the language of functional, yeah, and especially as Americans, we view this office as functional. That that's the only purpose of the role of of the papacy is to be functional. And so you brought in the language of Vatican II and encyclicals, and these popes have written a lot. The popes after Vatican II all wrote extensively, especially John Paul II. Uh, Pope Benedict continued that tradition and, and Pope Benedict, yeah, even after he retired, he still wrote one book and I don't know if he still is even capable to write right now or if he's even interested in writing because he wants to live the 
kind of monastic life, as you mentioned. Uh, but is the papacy mere, merely functional? Is it just to fulfill this kind of role that we place on him? And as Americans, I think we view the papacy often as a presidency, that as a president, do you just kind of fill, fulfill this functional office that you have? And I think what's tricky right now, <laughs> not to get too political here, but it seems like uh, there's nothing in place if a president becomes senile to remove him from office. And so to your... Oh, the current one? <laughs> just the United States? Hypothetically, Biden, just in general. senile, has been, has so, been for 10 years. So... So the question is, how come he's not review, removed from office then, you know? And, and I think because the presidency in the U.S. is, I would have to think more about this, but it is like 100% functional. The papacy is not completely functional. That's, yeah. not, that's not the complete role of it. It's helpful uh, when, you, when you have a younger guy who is able to write, able to travel. Uh, so that's the first point. It's not merely functional. The second point I would say is in the modern era the last 50 years, 100 years, the papacy has changed in the sense that with technology, that we almost demand that the Pope should travel all over the mm-hmm. world. And John Paul II visited something like 180 countries, however many it was, over the course of his papacy. And um, that's a lot. That's a lot of traveling. You mm-hmm. have to be limber. You have to be in good shape to be able to do that uh, much traveling. And, and let alone the... Um, psychological uh, uh jet lag that can that can happen with all that it's it's not easy uh secondly in the last hundred years um you would never have known what the pope's face really looks like you might have seen a painting that traveled through oh news, yeah that's like, true newspapers or whatever but um you know so this one of the traditional kind of things that people would do is to make a pilgrimage to rome was to see the pope's face wow Okay. And so now we have a, a just mass media like, oh, this is the Pope. This is the Pope. And instantaneously, if he says hypothetically <laughs> something silly off the cuff on an airplane, you have that right away. Yeah. Even if it may have not been the most precise thing to say. Uh, I don't think that's And ideal. sound bites get twisted. You know, yeah, well, yeah, they get the, plugged into different people's narrative in lots of different ways. Exactly. The spin doctors. Exactly. And so you never I, know how media is going to I think it. you're right with the, the globalization and the, um, but, but the increased role of the Pope throughout and accessibility, like you're saying. But I say that because I think it, it really makes that question of like, is this a functional office? And that's what it seems like. They have to travel. They have to yeah. be accessible to everyone. Well, maybe just the world likes... I don't know. I, I There's this old debate of the ultramontanism, you know. Mm-hmm. Ultramontanism asks the question, it's like the federal or the state government. It's like, should how much authority is the single, is the Pope himself meant to have mm-hmm. in the church? Is it more important for the local bishops to have all the authority or for one figure to unite everyone? You know, Pontifex Maximus is the great bridge right. that unites all of these disparate um, places. Mm-hmm. And there's something really attractive about that, like to have a point of contact, point of unity, a face for the church. And people just love having kind of a guru. Um, downside is that places are different and the application of the gospel can look different in different contexts. And it's very hard for one guy in Italy 
to make rules and teach everyone in the world and make decisions for everyone. Right. Um, I know sometimes people are like, oh, you know, the Pope gave us this particular bishop in my, my diocese. You're talking about thousands of people around the world, and the Pope doesn't know all of these priests who are becoming bishops. Right. He has intermediaries at various levels, you know, local bishops recommending people, Cardinals. nuncios locally, these um, these dicastries offices in the Vatican and all this stuff. So I don't I don't know it I do think it's time to ask those questions again because of the globalization mm. and because of this this role of the pope who had become the rock star. You know, John yeah. Paul made made the pope I think is a as a gift to the people. I don't think it was arrogance. He started traveling around and seeing the church all over the world, especially young people. And there is that precedent now. And I remember when Pope, ben, when Pope Francis was elected, he kind of talked a good talk about um, just being the Bishop of Rome mm. and not going to be the, bi- the, the Bishop is, right? of, of every diocese. Right. He's just going to be the Bishop in Rome. He's going to take care of his own diocese. He insisted on speaking Italian. Mm-hmm. He, um, started visiting all the parishes in Rome and everything. But it was almost immediately that the job just swept him away. Mm -hmm. So even with those intentions, it's like, well, no, I mean, you have to go and travel and meet presidents of different countries in the UN and try to bring broker peace. And you have to go, you know, see these Catholics. And I think he he was just in Canada last week. Yeah, he was. So, yeah, I think they're very interesting questions. And so, but I don't think that piece is all that necessary. Which place? The travel around the world. Sure. You so know? so just to... So the, the three things I just want to like really hammer in that makes this complicated is, uh, uh, is the office functional, the globalization of it. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is we people just live longer now. And Pope Benedict recently said, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if it's true. It was just kind of in a random news source. Apparently he said, I never expected to live this long. I think after he retired, he thought he was going to die pretty quickly. Yeah. Huh. And so people just live longer. And part of the challenge of that is um, uh, someone with Alzheimer's or who's turned uh, senile can live a long time that way with proper care and medicine and and home hospice care, if you will. That makes it really tough as well. Mm -hmm. So all that to say functionalism, uh, globalization, and then we live longer, I think makes this question really, really hard. All right. So you are lamenting the functionalism. Mm-hmm. And I feel some of that too. I mean, it's uh, a priest has to do a job, but it really feels something very violent to be reduced to our job. It right. feels like I'm being used. It feels like I, I have a role in a community that is in some way, a guide is a, is like a protector is like an intercessor. I care about the people and try to help them. And then there's like priest as, whatever social worker or you know the the boss at the local church or you know and so there's there's something lamentable about the functionalism but there's also something um important you know jesus has to put people in charge people leadership is important and it's good and exercising responsibility is really um helpful Mm -hmm. you know it's a a beautiful service so you lament the 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 obsession over function what do you think? What's so, your, do you think that question. we should have a, a functioning Pope? 
Great question. I, I, I don't know, right? That's the way I started this. I really don't know. But John Paul II, again, as you mentioned, taught a lot of people and taught us, taught me, taught you how to suffer well through his suffering and dying in office. That was very important for me. Extremely yeah. important. Uh, that's beautiful. Uh, for you particularly is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I know for a lot of people, but it does mean a lot to me. It continues to. Which is awesome. I think, I think that this is a bold statement, but it's almost like that taught people more than almost anything he wrote. Maybe that's true, maybe not. But, you know, I think, however, he's also a saint. And so his suffering really did um, bring a greater conversion in people because of his sanctity. Uh, Do we need a functional pope? I think um, maybe to phrase this uh, with regards to vocation versus like career or something, right? Your vocation, first and foremost, has to do with where God calls you, right? So whether it's a priest, whether it's you're married, that's first and foremost your vocation. What you choose to do, your career, and, and sure, it's different as priests because we don't necessarily choose where to go. The bishop says, I want you to go here. I want you to go to Rome and study. I want you to be at the cathedral. I want you to be at Lourdes. Uh, there's a certain function that we need to do that. But first and foremost, we exist as priests in an office, uh, the priestly office, which is not necessarily a function. It's a way of being not a way of doing, mm-hmm. but you're right. I think it's a tension. And so I would say, yeah, the Pope first and foremost needs to be a priest as part of his being who he is. And he can show us how to, he can inspire people through his being. Um, but he also has to have a function. And so I, I don't know, but I think the question then becomes what point does his lack of function mean that he's no longer capable of being Pope? And I, I, I am honest when I say that. I really don't know if there yeah. even is an answer to that question. Because I think it's a very slippery slope. One of the points uh, that I appreciate about the longevity and stability of the Pope, or here's just a couple of thoughts. One is um, there's politics everywhere. There's always politics. Any institution, every family, every society, every workplace, every corporation, every country, and, and the church. So there are kind of uh, parties that are trying to get their guy in or their, you know, a little more power or influence or they have this idea or that idea. And I think if you were, you were to have popes retiring, there would be a lot more game playing mm-hmm. like that to try to get them to retire, right. to try to like hold on to their seat. You know, like you look at these Supreme Court justices, they'll stay on long past their you know, being really capable because their party wants them to stay on and make sense, you know, um, with that system. But we don't want to set up something that's like playing games Mm -hmm. with this, you know, retirement question. Um, And then on the other side of the tension, these paradoxes, nobody's essential. Nobody's essential. And I think there's something beautiful about um, having the humility for anyone who's in the church and in leadership to be able to say, I don't need to do this. I, what, what everyone needs and what the church needs for people to be holy, to be saints, to be serving people with love, with divine love, with charity. So even I saw this movie and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, but that father Stan movie, did you see that one? Father Stan. Isn't that the name? The one with Mark Wahlberg? Yeah. With Mark Wahlberg. Did you see that one? Yeah. What's, what's the name of the movie? I thought it was father Stan. 
No, that doesn't sound right. Okay, oh. but keep, keep Father talking. Ron? Father Ron? No, it might be. Katani. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's, it, it, was a, it was a nice story. It was a bleeding heart story. It was beautiful, this, the way that this guy uh, persevered, and um, I think really admirable. But there was this line between he is becoming more and more crippled, and he wants to be a priest, you know. And there's, it's complicated with the idea of, of a call. But you start to root for him to the point where you start to think, oh, these, you know, these leaders are bad guys, and the bishops are bad guys if they won't ordain him and make him a priest because he wants to be a priest. Well, thing is, you have to have some, you have to be able to do the job. And if you aren't physically able, you don't have to. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing really important. This is not an honor in life. It's not something that you, um, that any of us need to do, you know? It's, it's the, the task of the Christian, the, the, what we should aspire to. Father Stu. Is, yeah, Father Stu, is always holiness. It's always to wake up in the morning and say, how much can I love and how much can I uh, bear fruit in the world? And the, the priestly office is a kind of a convenient way to exercise a, a, a path mm. in that direction, but it's not necessary. And I would say the same for the Pope. It's like, well, this is good, but church doesn't need you. The world doesn't need you. You know, um, they did, you're a, another, another Christian. And so I think there is something of, um, there's, there could be something humble and appropriate to someone saying, okay, I've done what I can. I've done um, with my health and with all the ideas I have, and now I'm going to let someone else do it, you know, because it's an important role, and, you know, somebody else could be good at it. You know? yeah. why, why should I assume that I'm the best one? You know, you're, you're elected for it, but they, they need to set a, a, a limit, though, a term. You think so? If they're going to allow, or this is going to become a norm, they need to have a term. Yeah. So that it's not just, you know, quick turnover. Right. I would hope, though, that it's the rest of their life. I don't know why that appeals to me so much, but this must be the JP2 thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just because it's precedent for me. I'm like, I would hope that it's for the rest of their life, too. Does that make sense about the humility p- piece? Humility with regards to, I can no longer fulfill this role, or what do you mean? Yeah, I don't need to. I don't, Yeah. I can step down, you know, if it's best for, best for the church or whatever. Yeah, I think that does make sense. Um, but do we always have an objective understanding of what's going on in my life? Like, am I actually not capable? And again, like, not to beat a dead horse here, but JP2 taught a lot through his suffering. And if he had said, I'm no longer capable of doing this, he never would have taught people that necessarily. So... Um, I think, yeah, we have to always have that certain humility to say, like, maybe I'm not the person for this, but, but I think there, there's that precedent of, like, no, popes are pope for life. Um, I don't know. People can hold on for a long time <laughs> until the end. Yeah. So, I, again, I, I just don't know the... Well, in the meantime, and, and the, those who will be exercising their power and decision-making and, and um, their leadership, they have, like, a cabinet. You know, they appoint heads of different departments that run things around the, around the church, mm-hmm. you know, of uh, doctrine and for the missions and for organizing um, canon law and all, everything, liturgy. Um, and those, those, 
usually cardinals are the ones who are really kind of publishing things, calling the shots, making new laws. Right. And so if a pope got old to the point where he can't do a whole lot, he still has his people who are running the things. Mm-hmm. But then you can't make decisions if you want to get rid of that guy or True. if you and want the, to change something. The pros and one of the cons to that, though, is like apparently there were a lot of things kind of snuck underneath JP2's nose when he was in a bad condition. Like a lot of these cardinals right, were like right, calling the yeah, shots that maybe made some bad decisions that maybe JP2 wouldn't have approved because he was just not aware. He wasn't yep. mentally aware right, to make those to that decisions. Point. So, uh, but I will say like, I really liked what you said about holiness, holiness of life. Like that's a priest's duty first and foremost is inspire holiness in, in the life, in the lives of the faithful. The Pope then is called to inspire holiness. And this is why it's slightly different. Yes, as you're saying with like appointing a cabinet, like the presidents around the world have to appoint cabinets to help run the country and help run whatever they're they're in charge of. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, that's important for popes to do. They have to have a certain certain functional nature there. But at the end of the day, they're called to inspire holiness. Mm-hmm. And they're called to, as pastor of the whole world, if you will, of the Catholic church, they're called to make sure everyone goes to heaven to the best they can. And there's a certain function that that's involved as we've mentioned, but I also think it can't be limited solely to that function. Um, so I, I don't know. I think, I don't know necessarily how to articulate it any better than that, but I would agree with you, father Mike, that papacy really should be for life. Um, I think it's a dangerous, um, it's a slippery slope, a dangerous place to say that, we want them to retire after a certain point or once we see a certain fault of, of senileness or whatever within them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think it's interesting. I will, we'll, we'll give that judgment to your sister. We'll say, Oh yeah, we, we're going to keep him there for life. Yeah. My sister-in-law, but it's like, I don't know the same. I think some, some of the same questions are, um, I don't know, related questions can be applied to bishops or your local pastors and all these things. But there does seem to be something unique to that role of Pope. Mm. That's the Papa, the Grand Papa. That's right. And I think there is something of a grandfather figure Mm. in the church and in the world that transcends this, you know, work in in an office, you know, go and sign things all day, you know. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Someday you too will be old, Father Sean. I thought you were going to say you're, someday you're a, you too will be Pope. I'm well, like, fine. You can if you want. I don't care. Um, <laughs> someday you will be I'll Pope. I'll vote for you. Um, no, you'll be old too. And you'll, I, I'm, I marvel at that. I think about that sometimes. I went to the nursing home this, uh, this morning. Hmm. And there's, yeah, it's just, uh, I, I'm curious about what life will be like for me when I'm old. You know, what will that be? And I'm trying to train myself and getting really good at um, the price is right and Rummy Cube. You know, Rummy Cube? Rummy Cube. Rummy Cube is like a game with these numbers. And um, anyway, it's like a a board game that all these old people play. play. So I'm going to get really good at that. And then I like chess, maybe. Chess is fun. Play a lot of chess. I always wonder, though, and maybe, maybe I'm just like pessimistic, but I'm like, I don't even know if I'll make it to the nursing home. I'm like, I think young people just think like that anyway maybe but i'm like what if what if i die when i'm 50 
Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's possible too, but. But there's part of. Yeah, but do you, I don't know. Do you have longevity in your family? I do. Yeah. Maybe that's. 80s. But that's the thing. I'm like, uh, there's something that like almost scares me about getting like nursing home, nursing home life. Oh yeah. I'm like, but like Leone, one of our favorite priests here in Denver, he's done it. Like he's, he loves it. Yeah. Yeah. He's not driving anymore. He's kind of had some health he's issues just got, lately. Though, he's just got uh hope springs eternal. What's that? Like he, he drank the fountain of life, whatever it is. Grace. Seriously. He's just a happy man. He is. And yeah. Well, yeah. Pray God that I'm like that, but it will be hard when you can't, I can't lift myself mm-hmm. and I can't take care of myself and maybe I lose my mind more than I have already. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We'll, we'll support you. We'll carry you. We'll carry you to the altar. Yeah. But that's There's, beautiful. I hope that the companions, you know, having brother priests will mean some support. Absolutely. We've talked about maybe the old guys can be like residents in the rectories and then mm-hmm. confessors for the younger guys. And I'd love that. Yeah, That'd be beautiful. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Father Mike. I think... Those are all my thoughts on this topic. I, I'm still, we're still obviously thinking more about this. And I, again, I don't think there's one right answer, but if you have any thoughts or questions or comments, feel free to shoot them over, you know, Catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to know your insights into this topic. Yeah. And, um, if you, um, we pray for our popes every mass. So that's nice that it helps them. And the rosary. And then if you're, I don't know, if you're looking for some place to retire, Pope Francis, hey, what's up? Our Lady of Lords Rectory is a nice spot. We'll take you. We don't speak we Spanish. We got a cool grotto or whatever. Or Portuguese. I'm at the cathedral. You can come over there too. All right. God bless you, everybody. What a wonderful summer night. Hope it rains on you, but not too hard. <laughs> got any shout outs, Father Mike? Oh, shout outs. Um, let's see. I will, well, shout out to thomas giorgio my new nephew um my my friend uh my friend my brother-in-law deed his um his cousin i think is in town violette from france uh donc bienvenue à violette et toute sa famille family huh? um, merci yes très bien i think that's it though you like to give a lot of shout outs. I just have one. I just want to shout out to my sister. Oh, here. No, here's one. Annie Powell. <laughs> you interrupted me. Annie Powell. Well, I thought of it. Scott uh, and Annie Powell. Annie Powell, because I just saw these um, these kids, the missionaries from Camp Voitiwa, mm. were at the cathedral, and I was yesterday for Mass. And I was just impressed. I'm just like, they're doing great work forming young people Absolutely. in the Christian life. And I'm just proud of them. You know, Scott and Annie up there. Um, Camp Voitiwa. Last time I was there, hearing confessions, I saw Annie. So, shout out Annie, you're great. You're amazing. You're doing great things for God. All right, can I give my shout out now? Yeah, I'm done. Do you want to do any more? Wait, go ahead. Uh, just to my sister-in-law, Abby. Thanks for that question. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for putting the clap for the applause track in there, Father Mike. So, yeah, it's great. Uh, great. All right. Catholic hey, Stuff thanks, Podcast man. at gmail.com. Great to be with you, Father Mike. Likewise. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great we'll see sundown. you next time.